Hi, this is Scott Allen from Honolulu, Hawaii. Welcome to the Candid Frame. Standards of beauty and style have come to be defined and spread through photography, resulting in fads and trends being embraced globally. But many of these standards of beauty have proven more exclusionary than inclusive. Some of the very things that make us uniquely human have been labeled as ugly and undesirable. Sophie Mayen's photography runs counter to that pursuit of idealized perfection. Her photographs are beautiful not because she renders her subjects as perfect. Instead, she celebrates blemishes and flaws by allowing them to just be. In her series, Behind the Scars, she creates portraits of people whose scars have come from surgeries, accidents, illnesses, and even self-harm. Rather than hiding these marks, her subjects reveal their scars and themselves to Sophie and her camera. What I was seeing kind of time and time again is that it was just the scar. A lot of the time the person's face wasn't shown in the photo or they were turned away from the camera. So it was like even the images were kind of reinforcing this idea that the person should be hidden or shouldn't be proud of them. So from the beginning of the project as well, I was very much, if I'm going to do these photos, they have to be of the person as well. Sophie's approach to photographing the human body has changed her style of fashion and beauty photography. She's turned away from an over-reliance on photo manipulation and retouching and embraced an approach that remains true to who she wants to be as a photographer and as a person. Most of the people I've worked with are very aware of the way I work. There's been points where I probably have lost jobs because of it, but then I've also gained work at the same time because people appreciate the way I work and they want to kind of honour that as well or bring that into their brand. But yeah, it was definitely kind of, it was a big decision at the time, but it's definitely one I'm glad I did. We'll talk to Sophie about how her project has impacted the many subjects she has photographed for her series and how her creative choices continue to change her photography. This is Ibarian X, and welcome back to The Candid Frame. I've been following your work on Instagram, and it's yeah. really been um, amazing stuff that you've been doing with it, with the Scar series. I, I want to talk a lot about that, but I'm also kind of interested in how you got into not only photography, but particularly mm-hmm. in the sort of the fashion uh, portrait area. Yeah. So when I first started taking photographs, I took a series of self-portraits. So it was around the time where kind of a lot of people were using Flickr. If you know those projects, like one self-portrait a day, I think they were very on trend at the time. So I thought I'd give one a go. Before that, I was kind of painting. So I've always been quite artistic, but I thought I'd pick up a camera, kind of give it a go. And I just kind of experimented and just learned how to use a camera, really. And then I think I'd taken around 200 portraits. I was in university at the time, and um, my university lecturer basically just said to me, he was like, you look like a girl who just sits in her room taking photos of herself, (laughs) which essentially is what I was doing. Um, (laughs) But I think that kind of gave me a nudge to kind of step outside from doing that and actually start photographing other people. 
so I started finding kind of people at university, friends that would let me um, take photos of them. I had some of them running around in the snow and all sorts. So <laughs> luckily I had some really good friends that let me do that. I think I must have had a portfolio probably of about, probably only about 15 to 20 kind of strong images of friends from university. And I saw a post on Facebook. Um, so a new kind of modelling agency in London was setting up and they were looking for photographers to test their models. So I sent my portfolio into them thinking, oh, it's worth a shot. They might kind of let me, you know, take photos of a few of their models. Luckily, they did like my images. So that summer, I pretty much photographed pretty much every day. So um, kind of every new face that they took on, I would do portraits of. And in the beginning, to be completely honest, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was probably learning more from the models, <laughs> just in terms of like posing and kind of working with new people. I was also quite shy at the time as well. So I've definitely kind of developed socially <laughs> with photography. So yeah, no, I did that. And then I kind of said to the agency, oh, can I use some of the models to start kind of submitting editorials? I think I did my first editorial that summer. Looking back at it now, it's <laughs> it's not my best work. There's um, definitely some dodgy lighting and editing and the fashion's a bit questionable. But yeah, I kind of just kept going and I was quite kind of relentless, I think. I kept shooting, kept trying, kept asking people to let me shoot for them. Some people gave me a chance, other people didn't. And yeah, so I was, yeah kind of just went in all guns blazing really and i commend you for that because a lot of people give themselves the excuse of not having enough experience not having the ideal portfolio not having the the right equipment keep them from pursuing it yeah was it the fact that you just were kind of naive and didn't know any better that allowed you to just go in like that i think i was just like there's no harm in trying and, you know, I probably would have, could have sent out hundreds of emails and maybe only 10% of the people replied. But it was only those few people that kind of gave me a chance that allowed me to build an ed editorial portfolio. And, you know, once you've done a few, you kind of do a few more and each one you do, you get a bit better. And as to the people you're working with as well. So I was quite lucky in that I um, I found a team quite early on that I worked really well with. Um, so we were able to kind of grow together, explore new concepts, probably get a bit more adventurous as well. And yeah, obviously people started to trust us and let us shoot things. I did an internship as well at Boys by Girls in my second year at university. And I started kind of shooting for them afterwards and actually ended up being digital editor there for a couple of years as well. So that also kind of taught me a lot about being the other side as well. So I kind of learned a lot about why maybe your work is getting turned down or... And it's not personal ever, really. Right. It's just whether it fits the magazine at the time or it it's right for them. And I think you have to learn your work as well. So... You know, if I go and submit to my work to a magazine that's really kind of glossy and edits their images a lot, chances are I'm probably not going to get commissioned by them. Have, have you always had that attitude with other aspects of your life where you go, well, let me just try it and not really think yourself and convince yourself to not do something? So I think my personality is probably actually quite stubborn. <laughs> 
and I'm not always very good with criticism. Probably since I was a child, I'm, I'm a lot better now. They kind of take things as a pinch of salt. Yeah, I guess partly, but then I think when I was like a teenager, I was probably a lot more shy maybe and didn't go out and kind of do all of the things I wanted to do. But then you're a teenager at that point anyway, so you're still kind of exploring. But yeah, I think... I think it's probably part of my personality that I'm kind of like, you know, I'm just going to give it a go. And yes, you know, I like it does affect me personally. Sometimes, you know, when people don't like your work or, you know, you sometimes you have shoots that you put like your heart and soul into and they just don't ever get seen or they get dropped or they just don't happen. But I think I think the more you do, probably the kind of harder your skin gets I right. guess um, you kind of get more used to it so that's it's probably developed with time as well I think the genre of photography that you practice is very competitive and yeah. you know when you started getting work and people start liking what you were doing and giving opportunities in editorial did you do you have moments when you started thinking about the fact that you were competing with people who had gone to university who had you know, much more experience to you did that sort of raise moments of insecurity self-doubt and how did you handle it I think it even even it, it does even now so I think sometimes I mean one of the worst things you can do sometimes is go and look at another photographer's work and compare your work to it because they're not you anyway but yeah even now sometimes I kind of see other photographers and they get commissions and I'm kind of like oh gosh I wish I had that why don't I get that and it is very easy to kind of sometimes focus on what other people are being able to do and just kind of completing what completely forgetting what you've actually achieved so sometimes I can be very guilty of doing that and one of the people that is actually the best with that is my mum because she normally sits me down and she's like you're being stupid look at what you've actually done and she's like and she's like you know other photographers are probably looking at you as well and being like well why she got that job or done that shoot and I haven't got it kind of thing so it definitely works both ways but I think it's really like managing kind of don't compare yourself to other people I think it's okay to look at other people for inspiration and just kind of being very aware of what's going on in the industry and what people are doing but not to put yourself down if someone else is doing better than you are at that point in time because you know six months down the line it could be the other way around what's fascinating about your work and I've and I've read other people comment about it is that your images have a very genuine quality to them yeah. and in fashion genuineness seems to be something that's only been adopted rather recently you know where before yeah, it was this idealized perfect image of what a person is supposed to to look like especially someone who's being photographed for the purposes of selling in marketing fashion yeah the tendency is and i've seen it a lot with photographers who want to shoot in in fashion is that they adopt the sensibility and the look of what they're seeing in the magazines and in the advertisements so how and you know you're still fairly young so how did you come to sort of embrace the way that you were shooting and not end up compromising your own sensibility in order to fit what the mold of what people suppose should be fashion style photography 
Yeah. When I was first shooting fashion, I was doing what everyone else does really i i edited my images how i thought i should be editing them so i removed spots i edited models jawlines pulled people in you know and i was looking at the magazines as well and i thought that was how my work was supposed to be and i was still kind of shooting fashion when i started the behind the scars project and a few months later i was kind of I was at a bit of a conflict really because I never the images from behind the scars have always been really honest and I haven't retouched the people in them but I was still kind of creating fashion work that was sending out a completely different message and also then around that time as well a model I'd kind of photographed a few probably a few years beforehand put up a post on Facebook and she basically kind of shared um, so she'd had inpatient treatment for anorexia and she's just shared her story there and I remember when I shot her that I'd edited her images and I'd kind of pulled her in a little bit edited her skin and it was that point that I kind of realized that I didn't want to be part of that anymore you know I I felt that I kind of personally contributed to that and you know, I was also kind of like looking at my Instagram at the time and I was like, there's a lot of young people that follow my work and it's like, we know what kind of message am I sending to those people? I'm kind of saying, you know, like it's okay for me to take this portrait and not edit people, but if you want any chance of being in a fashion editorial, I'm still going to edit you. And it was a complete, I, you know, it was hypocritical of me really. So it's at that point, so this was in 2017 and I kind of sat down, I remember speaking to my mum and I was like, if I go out and say that I'm not doing this anymore, am I just going to completely ruin my career? Are people not going to hire me? Am I going to be too scary to work with for brands? You know, can I do this at this point in my career? Obviously, I did do it. And since then, most of the people I've worked with are very aware of the way I work there's been points where I probably have lost jobs because of it but then I've also gained work at the same time because people appreciate the way I work and they want to kind of honor that as well or bring that into their brand but yeah it was definitely kind of it was a big decision at the time but it's definitely one I'm glad I did when you were talking to your mom about it what was what was the advice or the the comment that you made <laughs> so whenever I talk to my mum about things, um, our conversation normally goes something like, I tell her what I'm planning on doing. And she normally responds with, I don't know why you're asking me because you've already made the decision. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I think I've been that way since I was a child. <laughs> so you just, just have you um, use her as a sounding board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you still it's still good to kind of have her opinion. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the time I kind of have made the decision in my mind. It's just good to kind of have someone to be like, yes, that's a good idea or no, you're being absolutely nuts. What are you doing? And she's normally one or the other. But the <laughs> the comment she normally makes first is the one I've just said. So. so when you made that decision, had you already started the Behind the Scars project? Yes, yeah, so I'd already started Behind the Scars at that point. But with Behind the Scars, so from the very beginning of that project, I knew I didn't want to edit people in it because the message was, it, they were honest portraits of people and I didn't want to kind of 
mess with people I just wanted them as they were but I was still kind of shooting fashion work that was still edited not not as edited as it was when I first started but it still kind of fitted the mold I guess so the, the behind the scars project for the people who, who have not had a chance to look at the at the images yeah. are a series of portraits of people who sit for you and, and reveal their scars yeah and which you photograph but they also tell the stories behind yeah behind how they uh, made these scars and this this project started off as an edit- editorial assignment can you tell me a little bit about how the assignment came to you and what were the parameters of it basically we were kind of asked at the time so me and my team to contribute to a magazine they sent us a brief and the brief was around the idea of history and scars was something I kind of wanted to explore for a little while so about kind of six months before I'd met this gentleman and it was just a model test shoot I had no idea he had scars before he came but at the test shoot he um, he actually had quite a few different scars and he was sharing his story with me so basically he'd been stabbed um, from behind with a samurai sword ended up in a coma for six months I just found something really interesting about the way he kind of described his story to me and kind of like you know, the before and who he was now. And he also had a young child as well, so I actually ended up shooting him with his child later on too. But it was kind of, after having that conversation with him, I was kind of like, hang on, you know, there's something really interesting about it that I'd like to explore that more. Um, So when this brief came up, I was kind of like, hang on, Scar's kind of part of our history. The two kind of go together quite well because it would make sense for the stories to go alongside the images I think that's quite important um so even then the concept was what it is now even then even though it's grown since then so yeah so we did it as an editorial assignment and then we pitched it to another magazine which was a menswear magazine and did another shoot but after I did that shoot I kind of felt that I was still kind of limited in what I was producing so I had this idea but the magazine still wanted it to kind of you know the models to kind of fit their look or to be like the kind of you know they kind of wanted it to just be what they saw as good looking people with scars right and I wanted it to be more than that I wanted to be able to just explore it completely with no limitations so after that second shoot I then decided to kind of run with it as a personal project and continued adding shoot dates every month and it's pretty it's grown pretty steadily from there really it is it is an amazing body of work in 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 so many ways the the idea that these scars that people have 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 on their bodies as a result of surgeries, accidents, issues with self harm, or yeah. some sort of medical issue. There's a whole variety of of scars and stories behind them. And in our culture, we have sort of assumed that scars have a, a negative connotation, not just in terms of being ugly. Yeah. But also in terms of, you know, in, in terms of film and, and television, they're often associated with the bad guy, right? You know, if they yeah, have a scar, this, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ill intent associated with them. And as a culture, mm-hmm. we've 
we've grown to believe that scars are meant to be hidden or repaired. Yeah. Right. And that they basically are a, are a thing to be ashamed of. And many of the people that you have photographed and interviewed sort of speak to that idea of, for a time, being ashamed and wanting to hide these things. And they get in front of your camera and they just bear it there. And it seems like yeah. for each of them, it's such a liberating and freeing experience to not feel like that they have to deny a part of themselves that really is an in- integral part of their their story. Did, did you realize that th- that was a, a big part of, of the power of this project? Um, so when I started, no, I probably didn't. So when I first started, I kind of, obviously I knew there were stories behind people's scars. But I think until I started to kind of collect more stories, then you kind of start to see you know, similar aspects in some of the stories, you know, with the emotional side, kind of the mental healing some people go through. And it, yeah, I think the more portraits I took, I kind of, I started to learn more about how people felt and maybe why they felt those ways. And um, so before I started the project as well, I did do research myself into kind of images of scars that had been taken before. And there are obviously images of scars by other people that exist out there. But what I found when I was looking at photos is I could kind of find lots and lots of photos which were kind of close-ups of scars. And they either felt kind of, you know, very clinical, like medical photos, or they'd kind of been done to shock people. So, you know, there's really kind of contrasty black and white photos. What I was seeing kind of time and time again is that it was just a scar. A lot of the time, the person's face wasn't shown in the photo or they were turned away from the camera. So it was like even the images were kind of reinforcing this idea that the person should be hidden or shouldn't be proud of them. So from the beginning of the project as well, I was very much, if I'm going to do these photos, they have to be of the person as well. You know, so the person, I want it because when I want people to look at the photos, I want them to get a sense of who the person is as well. Because while scars are a huge part of many of these people's lives, they do have, they are more than their scars as well. And I kind of, I felt like I didn't really see that in other people's photos of scars, unless they're somewhere else on the internet and I haven't seen them. Yeah, no, that was really important to me as well. I kind of really wanted to get a sense of who the person was. And just to really kind of connect with them through my camera as well. Because I think sometimes, you know, if we see somebody with a scar out in the street, you know, many of us might not have seen scars or might not have seen someone that looks that way before. But I think, you know, you have to remember there's a human there too. So if you kind of stare at someone or whatever, you know, you're going to make them feel uncomfortable. But... Hopefully, you know, people who see my images. So some people respond to me and they kind of say, you know, some people who haven't got scars respond. They kind of say to me, you know, thank you for kind of putting these images out there because we've learned so much about kind of, you know, how to approach people differently or just like the visibility of scars. So, you know, because many of them are underneath people's clothes as well. So some people don't know that they exist they haven't seen them before 
and hopefully with kind of more visibility then people kind of start to see things differently as well and they're perhaps not so shocked if they do see someone face to face that has got a scar as well Sorry, that was really rambly. <laughs> no, 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 this, no, this, no. That's that's fine. That's fine because I, I really appreciate what you're saying there. Because I think that the the project is twofold, and you're speaking to how pe- other people observe people who are disfigured yeah. in in some in in some way, and how mm-hmm. we pass a judgment on them. But one of the things that was sort of yeah. fascinating for me was is how people choose to live with with the scars yeah and there's so much i mean there's some you know you have one of a little girl who had a disfigurement of some sort i can't remember off the top of my head but she's fairly young and she talks about just loving to dance oh she's the one with the yeah. with the red arm right yeah her, um for yeah. whatever reason her arm is red while the rest of her coloration is relatively relatively normal and you know she's mm-hmm. just just enjoying her life she's not yeah defined by that and then you get to see someone who's much older who may have had cancer and had had a, a mastectomy or double mastectomy and they yeah. and and through whatever process they come to that same place of joy where they don't feel anymore that this is something to be ashamed of or that they have to hide that they basically yeah. saying this is just me this is my body and i accept it as it is and there's just something really beautiful about that especially considering that all of us have body issues even if we don't possess scars right and to see someone else just say hey i'm not perfect but i'm good and that's what i really love about looking at the work and seeing the stories because it really it forces us as viewers to really reconsider not only how we see the bodies of the people whose pictures we're looking at, but our mm-hmm. own. Is that is yeah, that something absolutely. that's happened for you as a result of the project? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I've had my own body hang-ups um, over the year. So when I was at university, I, I gained a lot of weight. It was, uh, you know... It was time where I was probably quite lonely um, and at points um, kind of, you know, quite depressed. And I kind of comfort ate and stuff. But I think, you know, since beginning of the project and probably really across the past year, it might have something to do with age as well, maybe. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I've kind of very much become a lot more comfortable with who I am. So obviously I'm very much aware that I am a fat woman, but... I'm also very much aware that even if I did want to change that, I would still visibly look like that for a considerable amount of time anyway. And the thing is, hating yourself or hating certain parts of you expends so much energy. And, you know, and that's energy that can go to like much more positive things. Because, you know, I've met women who kind of say, you know, they don't go swimming and men too, or they don't go right. right on the beach or they don't go out with friends because of the way they feel about their body. And the thing is, you know, you end up missing out on life and, you know, life is more important than, I don't know, your freckles and your fre- Do you know what I mean by that? It, it's Oh, yeah, I know all too well. I mean, I've had body issues yeah. all my, my life, so it's just like I've, I've declined to go swimming at the beach because I didn't want to take my shirt off, mm. you know, and that still is still part of my wiring just because I've been doing it forever, 
But I think, yeah, yeah, there's a variety, like you just said perfectly, we rob ourselves of certain opportunities from life because we don't like how we look. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, So hopefully, (laughs) hopefully a few people seeing the photos, hopefully it changes. the candid frame to continue bringing you great conversations with some of the world's best photographers you can do this by supporting our patreon effort by committing as little as five dollars or more a month when you do this you not only help us to meet the cost of production but provide us the time and resources we need to bring you conversations you won't hear anywhere else sign up today by visiting patreon.com forward slash the candid frame thank you yeah and i think part of what what was really sort of interesting about these people who are sharing their their scars is this sort of sense that not so much that they would be made fun of or criticized but part of them i think part of the the battle is feeling like that because of these things that they would not be able to be loved Mm. to be not just by a romantic partner but that somehow these these scars and the stories behind the scars because some of some of the stories are really heartbreaking um because because they do you know some of them are due to, to depression and yeah. or abusive relationships and it seems like part and parcel of being able to accept one's own scars is you know being able to say that I am worthy of love and respect and dignity and then that by posing for you in front of the camera it's it's them declaring it not just to the people looking at the photograph but to to yeah. themselves yeah, absolutely, to themselves. So, so I know I'm very much aware some of the people that I photograph probably don't like the photos I take of them because they haven't, you know, for many people they love their photos, but there are some people that don't like their photos as well. But the whole process and the fact that they've actually done that gives them more than the photo itself as well, which is quite interesting too. You know, so for, so for some people it very much is an act of kind of saying you know this is me this is who I am now I deserve what I want what I need you know and what other people obviously love their photos as well but you know I think it's it's a big thing for a lot of people to do and there's a huge you know huge amount of trust people kind of put in me not just in revealing their scars but they reveal themselves you know in front of my camera I know, and a lot of themselves, and you know that takes that takes a lot of balls to kind of do and kind of say, you know, I'm ready to do this. You know, not just in the fact that it's being shared publicly online, but the fact that you are actually, you know, coming to the studio, taking your clothes off in front of a photographer that you've spoken to online, and bearing all. That's you know, it's it's something that kind of. I definitely find really humbling kind of like as a photographer you know that so many people are willing to kind of share that much with me mm-hmm. yeah I have great respect for the people who, who've shown chosen to, to do this because God knows I don't know if I'd be ready to yeah but 
that's a good point. You get people to walk through the door and they're nervous, they're anxious. Um, mm-hmm. Getting them through the door or them making the choice to come through the door is, is a big one. But yeah. getting getting in front of a camera, getting in front of a stranger with an assistant and all this, all your equipment there, yeah. it's still an intimidating process. So what 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 is your sort of practice? What do you do in order to make them, help them to be comfortable with the process? Um, so on the shoot day, so normally when I arrange the shoot dates, we kind of book, you know, several portrait sessions. And some people kind of stay at the studio for longer. We kind of have like a sofa area. So people normally come in and normally they write, they handwrite their stories first in exercise books. And I always do it that way around because I think that gives people kind of like a chance to sit down and kind of think about what they want to say as well. I normally have my dog with me as well. She's like a little, she's a cross between like a whippet and a black lab. So she's quite small and she's very, very good with people, especially when they're nervous. So she kind of goes up and just puts her head on people's knees and things like that. Obviously that doesn't work for everyone, but um, she's she is quite good as well. And I think, you know, when it comes to taking the photo... I kind of I don't make a huge deal of it. It's kind of like you know a lot of the time the conversation is kind of like, "Hi, how are you?" you know are you nervous how are you feeling quite often it's very much it's kind of practical in a way as well because I'm kind of stood there and I'm like okay so can you show me where your scars are a lot of the time people have obviously sent me photos but once you're there in the studio you've got to kind of like work out where they are on their body is that you know there's some people I photographed who's got scars in multiple places and we've had to do weird and wonderful poses to just kind of show them you know so you kind of end up laughing because you know because sometimes quite often like awkward laughter kind of ends up in real laughter as well sometimes my assistant is stood there with the reflector waving it in in the air to kind of create wind that's normally pretty good at making people laugh as well so but I think it's I think also as well which is I don't read the stories from the exercise book until afterwards so that's just something I've always done. Obviously, I do know kind of elements of people's stories before photographing them, but normally I haven't read, you know, the full extent of what they choose to write until after the shoot when I kind of come to typing them up. And that was something I kind of decided to do quite early on as well, because I think, you know, if I was kind of stood there reading someone's story before photographing them, I think that would kind of you know, that might make them feel a little bit awkward as well. And also, I think right at the beginning of the subject, um, at the project, it was kind of a new subject matter that I was approaching as well. And I was kind of like, I didn't want to be... I don't know if biased is the right word, but I didn't want to read someone's story before photographing them and kind of... I didn't want it to impact the way I photographed them, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense, yeah exist to support the photographs but the stories are very much the model's words and you know the portraits I take is how I kind of see them on that day so it's kind of based off their personality my interactions with them so I guess it's kind of like a merging of two voices really it's kind of how I see them and you know their stories are very much their own words What's fascinating about the whole series is that you see people there with relatively 
small scars mm-hmm. and then you have others whose bodies are dominated by whatever scarring or damage that's been had to their body and it was really kind of fascinating to think that regardless of the size and the percentage of their body that has been impacted by the scars the emotional weight of it is sometimes comparable yeah so i think even yeah even some of the smallest scars are you know they've deeply affected the person as well as the, you know the people that have got you know there's somebody in the project who's got like 97% burns yeah no it's it's very very personal how each person feels about theirs you know because at the beginning of the project I could have been like oh I'm only going to shoot significant scars but you know even a small scar to somebody is significant so I kind of really wanted to kind of embrace embrace as many scars as I could and as many people as I could too when I started shooting. Tell me about the choice to share these images on social media because photographing these people for a personal project I think is is one thing. Yeah. Making the choice to say that I am going to actively share these images with the world yeah uh, is 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 quite a, a quite a leap and i think that especially for the people who have probably spent most of their lives trying to not be looked at yeah <laughs> so t- tell me about the choice to do it that way and and how have the people who you photographed found that experience before starting the project I use social media a lot. I shared most of my work via social media. I think in this day and age, even with personal work, commercial work, editorial work, quite often we're kind of expected to share it. I don't know whether expected to, but we also have the opportunity to share it straight away. And I think as well, you know, the people I was photographing... Um, a lot of them kind of very much had like an all or nothing approach you know like if we're going to do this let's let's do it kind of thing so everyone was aware you know that images would be shared on social media I didn't really comprehend how many people might see the images because you kind of don't think beyond the people that maybe follow you or follow your work already but obviously that can grow very very early on in the project um i posted a picture of a girl called isabella that was the first time from the project an image just went all across the internet within like days i can remember isabella texting me literally like oh my god i can't believe this has literally gone everywhere (laughs) and i didn't expect it to either because i was just like i'm just going to share this because i like this picture she's got a lovely story as well because she kind of talks about how like how beautiful she feels And I think, you know, when that photo went out, so that was in May 2017, I think the reason it did go kind of so far is because I think it was just the nature of the photo and how confident she looked and kind of, it was an unapologetic photo. It was was her as she was. So that was the second shoot for the project. You know, on the first shoot for the project, you know, I took really, really beautiful portraits. But I think when I look it back at them now, I can see, still see that I'm quite, I'm a little bit nervous of how I'm shooting and not tra- totally trusting myself either. And I think that's partly because, because it was a new project, because I was very aware that it was a sensitive subject matter and I kind of wanted people 
to do people justice. I also didn't want to make people feel worse about their scars through the photos I was taking because I was like, you know, it could go, it could very much go that way as well. And before photographing Isabella, we'd only spoken a little bit on kind of social media. I think we contacted each other through Instagram. I think she was probably the first person that actually kind of totally let go in front of my camera as part of the project so I think that was kind of like a point for me as well where I was kind of like I kind of understood what I was doing a little bit more you know so I kind of trusted what I was doing and and I think that's developed even more since then as well but I think that was definitely kind of a point where I was like this is something I need to do you know, not just for the people involved, but also for me as a photographer and kind of, you know, because I've kind of explored myself a lot in terms of how I work and how I communicate with people, how I connect with people. And, you know, a large amount of that has come from the portraits I've produced as part of the project. I think one of the things that's really moving are the comments that people make when they see the photographs. Yeah. Especially from people who who have faced like similar medical issues or yeah. have similar scars and it seems like they are so encouraged and emboldened mm. as a result of seeing someone else who's similar to them sharing themselves in that way. Yeah. It's kind of like it's built a community, I guess, is the word I'd use. In that, you know, people kind of support each other, people talk to each other. You know, I think many of the people taking part in the project as well, they kind of, they have their portrait, their photo taken because it's the portrait they wanted to see when they kind of got their scars or when they were growing up. It's something for them to kind of look up to. So kind of some people who are parents as well kind of message me after they found their account. And, you know, sometimes they're like, I've got a child who's kind of got a scar who's had been in an accident, you know, and they're then able to kind of show the child, you know, look, this lady's a bit older than you and she's got a similar scar to you. Um, so I think it's very much a sense of kind of sharing experiences as well and realising someone else has been through something similar to you kind of validates how you feel as well. I think it also shows you know where you can go um, because they, a lot of people are kind of at different stages in their stories as well. So I think there's definitely something, there's something I think in every story that somebody can relate to. And I think, yeah, that definitely shows kind of through the comments and how people kind of communicate with the project. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really interesting kind of see how people kind of support each other and connect, yeah, with each other through, through the images and the stories. So as the work has gotten out there and you've garnered press uh, in a variety of different places online and, and in magazines, mm -hmm. how has that affected um, you, you as a professional photographer doing you know, the other work that you've been, you've been doing? So when I was shooting Behind the Scars, I actually made a decision to stop shooting editorial work for a while because I think I just felt like I wasn't getting what I wanted from doing that work at that point in time and it's only actually over the last couple of months I've actually kind of gone back to doing a few editorial pieces um, and kind of working with different people um, so I did kind of very much throw myself into the project 
yeah I mean it's it's been a huge part of my life just from the past two years and it's you know it still is now it takes it takes a huge amount of organizing a lot of admin because I'm producing the project single-handedly um which I think a lot of people don't realise actually. Um, so I think sometimes when people see the project, they're kind of like, "Oh, there must be a whole team of people behind this." There isn't. There's just me, and I, you know, I do the casting, the producing, the editing. You know, I do have an assistant that helps me on the day, but because it's such a personal, you know, personal subject matter and series, it's kind of you know, it's a process that I have to be there from the beginning to the end you know I don't want someone who wants to have their portrait taken to be emailing you know my reception desk or whatever because it's not the same is it they need to be able to communicate with me directly as well I think that's something that social media has allowed us to do as well we can get much closer to the people behind work as well and I think that's something that changed when I was doing this project as well I think when I was doing like fashion and editorial work before nobody really cared about who I was um, not they, not saying they didn't care but obviously I was credited my name was there but since like starting the project I realized kind of people wanted to know more about who I was why I was doing these things and you know there's been a couple of points where I've kind of you know I've actually I've been portrayed by other artists and I've done other things too. And I also think that came back to the kind of trust thing as well. So I was kind of like, you know, I'm asking people to bear all for me, but how much do they actually know about me as well? So that's been quite an interesting process as well, um, both kind of professionally and personally, is I've probably kind of shared a lot more about myself than I probably would have done if I hadn't have done the project, I guess. Yeah, I saw that painting that had been done of you, that nude painting that had been done of you, which is beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful painting. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful, but um, I don't think I've seen myself in that much detail before, <laughs> so... <laughs> but like you said, drawing inspiration from other people and, and, and yeah. just sort of reaffirming that idea that... I have nothing to be ashamed of. This is just who mm -hmm. I am. This is what I look like. And sort of shirking off this idea that just by the nature of who you are and the body that you exist in, that you're doing anything wrong that is deserving of, of shame or a rejection or any of that stuff. You realize how yeah. much BS that that is and how the, the, the power to make the choice for ourselves is right there and when you see other people who may physically have scars or, or, or damage that are much more pronounced than anything that I may have it, may, it yeah. gives me a perspective in, in terms of yeah do I really want to loathe myself because of my gut right yeah <laughs> you know it, it's like what do I gain by by doing that, 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 what do I rob myself of? And I think that this yeah. work, beyond people who have similar issues with, with their bodies, I think it gives us all a, a, a healthy alternative of how we can accept ourselves and as a result accept others. Because I think when we don't accept some aspect of ourselves, that just opens the door for us to be critical of other people. 
yeah I think as humans we can be so critical of other people and I think because I think we've you know we've all been there you know sometimes I mean I've done it as a teenager once I was uni I've criticized other people and I think you know a lot of the time when we criticize other people it is down to how we feel about ourselves mm-hmm. you know when you're in a place where you feel bad I think we automatically then want to make others feel bad too and I think you know if you are in a place where you're kind of criticizing people or you find yourself doing it it's always worth asking yourself why I mean none of us are perfect um, and we do often automatically judge people but I think it is yeah it's worth asking kind of questioning or even just recognising when you do do that and kind of trying to work out why because that's something I do with myself as well you know if I do find that I've kind of fallen into an old way of thinking you know a question why I think as well as so a lot of people kind of speak to me about kind of how they feel about their bodies and stuff and I think as well it doesn't change overnight so whilst we have hang-ups we might feel better about them one day than the next but you know it kind of evolves over time as well because I think a lot of people sometimes kind of say to me they're like oh so when was the moment where you suddenly became comfortable with yourself or suddenly loved yourself and I was like it doesn't it doesn't really work like that you don't suddenly wake up and you're like oh I'm a new person do you know what I mean it's um it's a continual work in progress yeah you know we all are really none of us are you know perfection doesn't exist at the end of the day we're all flawed or whatever we're all different we all question our own self-worth and how we feel about ourselves you know I think there's nothing wrong in in questioning that from time to time but I think questioning why you feel negative about it then kind of makes you start to pull it apart and kind of adjust how you think and how you see yourself yeah yeah (laughs) that's great getting a bit deeper there (laughs) (laughs) well my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore and it can be anyone someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered so who would that one photographer be and why so I really like Jack Davison's work he's a brilliant photographer so he's yeah he's worth looking at and what kind of work does he do he does a lot of kind of like portraits um some are, i guess some are kind of abstract um some of his work is kind of dark he does some kind of fashion work um i think he's someone's work i've just known for a while and i just personally like it i mean we're, we're very different photographers but his his works he's very talented well i look forward to checking out his work and just thank you so much for for sharing your work for putting it out there and uh, for making time for us today really really enjoyed getting to learn more about you and and the project thank you Thanks to Sophie for sharing her time and story with us. You can find out more about her and her work by visiting sophie-mayan.com. And to be the voice that introduces the episode like Scott Allen did this week, just send us an audio file recorded on your phone, tablet, or computer saying something like, This is Nick Carraway from Duluth, Minnesota, and this is The Candid Frame. Say it at least a couple of times so we have a take to choose from and include three to four seconds of silence with your voice to help us clean up the audio. 
Also, make sure to include a link to your website, blog, or Instagram feed when you send it to info at thecandidframe.com. I also have a variety of workshops I'm leading in the coming months, including a two-day workshop in June at the Los Angeles Center of Photography and a week-long cultural experience in Tokyo, Japan. We've also just added a workshop in Vancouver, Canada in August, which I'll be teaching alongside Olaf Staba. Uh, Sign up soon as spaces are limited and you'll find out more about these on the website and the show notes. And if you want to get a sense of my teaching style and approach to photography, you should check out my YouTube channel where I offer critiques and evaluations of photography submitted by TCF listeners who contribute to the Candid Frame Flickr poll. You can check out the TCF Flickr poll and our YouTube channel by clicking on the show notes and the website. My book, Making Photographs, Developing a Personal Visual Workflow, is now available. You can purchase it today and receive 40% off the list price when you order it from the Rocky Nook website. Use the promo code PORELLO40 at checkout to take advantage of that discount. And if you want to keep up with all things Candid Frames, sign up for our mailing list and you'll receive three free copies of my previously published ebooks. And if you like what you've been hearing on the show, please take the time today to write a review in the iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast Store, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you write a review on a blog post, let me know and send me a link because I would really love to thank you on air. Thanks to Sumilux 1.4 for their five-star review. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon, or you can make a one-time contribution via PayPal. You'll find links for both in the show notes and the website. Thanks to Hans Jogan Rowe for his recent contribution. And if you want to easily access every episode of The Candid Frame, download The Candid Frame app. It's available for both Apple iOS and Android, and it's free. Download it today, and you'll find it where everything else is in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. And we also have an Alexa app, so if you have one of those smart devices, download the skill and listen to the show that way. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at the other martintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.